What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Afraid and Grateful Ball Show! Yeah! Featuring Will Brinson. You almost... That's Brady Quinn. I'm Will Brinson, obviously. Uh, you almost approximated the reggae air horn with your... It's like when the uh, when the cruise ships are taking off, you know, they like they play that really loud, <laughs> or it's just in the club, and and where they hit it as many times as as humanly possible. And next thing you know, it's just sparklers are coming out, bottles of Dom going everywhere. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Club Dub, baby. The Chicago Bears after a win. There's no better club to be in right now than the Bears locker room. Look at you. I like that you've come around to the Bears. Are they going to make some noise in the playoffs or are they going to fizzle out? Okay, so here's my take on the Bears now because I was hesitant to jump on the bandwagon. And I don't know that I fully am, but I think this is what this team is this year. They are the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year. Oh, man. That's a good – with a better quarterback. Uh, yeah, with a, I would say with a better core, like kind of similar. Like, I think Blake Bortles, we like forget his second year in the league. Oh, weird. It's Mitchell Trubisky's. Um, he had a really, really good year, like statistically speaking. 35, you know? 35 touchdowns. De- right. But the defense wasn't as good. So, yeah. um, I think Trubisky has the ability to be better and he's got definitely better pieces than Bortles had around him and the defense, but the defense is playing very similar to what the Jaguars were last year. Uh, where they're you know one of the best. Now, statistically, they're not the best. The Baltimore Ravens would have that title right now. But I think that defense can get them into the NFC Championship game and maybe beyond, depending on how Mitchell Trubisky plays. I, I think that's a good call. Isn't it fascinating, Brady, how – and we can sort of break these I – don't, I don't, this is the most fascinating thing about Week 15 to me is that we sort of have spent all this – like three months building, it's like ah, oh, it's Rams Chiefs hurtling towards the Super Bowl together, and now it's like eh, these every, like everybody's starting to look fallible. That's what's the beauty of the NFL is as you head towards the playoffs and in December, we still know pretty well who the teams in the postseason are going to be, but everyone looks a little vulnerable. And uh, I would you know, I'd ask you first, and I, the, the point is to the, that's why I think the Bears can make a run. But I am curious if you think that the Rams over the last two weeks have shown themselves to be a problematic contender. Does that does that phrase make sense? Yes, the phrase makes sense. Before I go to the Rams, let me just say this. the, the One of the things that could be uh, holding the Bears back or could stand in their way uh-huh. is, is themselves. Um, like, for example, maybe maybe don't do a wildcat play where you've got Tariq Ugh. Cohen now uh, doing a zone read on whether or not to give or keep it. Like, maybe just stay away from those sorts of plays moving forward. That would be uh, one one piece of advice. Like, I love the creativity at times. Let's not do too much, okay? (laughs) Let's just play to our strengths. Tariq Cohen's tough to cover. Apparently, teams still want to punt to him like Green Bay did this this past week, just serving one up right down the middle of the field with plenty of room. So uh, we don't need to do too much. Actually, wait, wait, before, before you get, I have more questions about the Bears. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sick right now in case people can't tell. So my leadership skills here are, are, are lacking. Um, do, okay. I have two follow-ups on the Bears. One, um, do you think that, cause like Andy Reid, Matt Nagy comes from the Andy Reid system and Andy Reid is notorious for, you know, getting a little cute. You, I, I, I'm sorry. Are you saying Nagy or Neggy? Neggy. It's not I, like you're saying Neggy. Is it, is it, it's Nagy, is it not? I don't know what I'm saying at this point. You're I'm saying like Eggy. Like like Neggy. Matt Nagy. Nagy. Matt Nagy. Like he's nagging me. 
Yeah, right. Okay, right. okay. Okay, I'm just making sure. Sorry, I, I thought I was hearing that weird. <laughs> no, you, no, no, I think I was saying it wrong. I, I, I missed Is that like a southern thing? Like, you can't say Aggie, you say, like, Eggie? Oh, so it'd be Aggie, like he's an, like he's an Aggie. Okay. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, Matt, Matt Aggie. Matt Maggie. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. I, 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 I you're saying Eggie, though. I think That's I just weird. pronounce it different ways depending on, like, what's in my head. <laughs> I don't know how I pronounce it. I don't know how he pronounces it. I wish he would come out and, like, wear a pronunciation thing on his chest. I wish we would all do that. I wish we would all wear name tags because I'm terrible at names. Um, but do you think that coming from the Andy Reid system that Matt Nagy, um, <laughs> could, I can't pronounce, um, who, John Mara. His, his last name, yeah. I can't do John, I can't do John. Texas A&M. I can't text A&M every time. I know, but now I have to think about it and it makes me stop. I couldn't do John Mara either because it's Mara. Is it Mara or Mara? Uh, I think it's Mara. Yeah, I always say John Mara and it's, I like, sound like a, like a drunk southerner. You know how I think of it? It's John, it's, it's John Mara. And then it's Marcus Mariota. It's not, or, oh, what does Marcus Mariota have no, to it, do it, with it? It is Mariota. It, it's the opposite. I forget. Now I'm messing myself up. Let's just move on before okay, right, we just right. completely mess each other up. So, right. I agree. So the Bears are this team that has this great defense. And as you point out, they get to like to get a little too cute. Should they be, should they try and be, should they try and sort of morph into a, like a power running less cute team as the playoffs come along, especially given the other teams that are out there, the teams that they can beat, or should they just keep doing what they're doing because it's working? Well, I don't think you need to morph in anything that you're not, um, you know, as far as a power running team and all that. I, I do think that they can continue to um, spread the football around like they have. That's what's going to make them most potent. Uh, but, but they better make sure that, uh, Tariq Cohen's going to be healthy for the playoffs. Like, he, to me, is um, the guy that really makes everything kind of, you know, work for them and, and gives opponents the biggest struggle. Him and, and really, obviously, Mitchell Trubisky and the way he plays. Um, as, as long as he continually takes care of the football um, but still takes advantage with his legs and then makes timely throws like I think we saw him make this past week and we've seen him make throughout the course of the year in some of his better games, I think they're going to be fine. I, I don't think you need to change too much. Uh, but I also think you don't need to do too much, you know. Like I was—that's sort of what I'm. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm getting. At. Like, well, like, I, I had you... the chance to talk to Charles Leno earlier, oh, uh, nice. which amazing story, right? Because he like proposed to his girlfriend after they win the game. I asked him, I was like, "If you guys would have lost, you still proposed?" He said, "Yeah, I kind of already had a plan." <laughs> Wait, what? Is... You propose after an L? You can't do that. I know that's what I thought, but no, he he was all on board with it, regardless of the outcome. Uh, I thought the better thing too is I asked him. I said. Were you like thinking there's no way I can pro- propose to her after club dub? Like you've got to propose to her before you go into the club, right? And then you get like hyped up with everyone else. And he was like, "Yeah, of course." He's like, "There's no way I could go to the club and then go propose. It just wouldn't make sense." No, so. no, no. That'd be weird. That'd be like going out on going out on the town with your boys and going to the uh, the local establishment and then like coming home and be like, "You know what, babe? I love you." She's like, "That's that's." <laughs> That's great, but you smell like cologne, or you smell like uh, you smell like uh, perfume. The opposite yeah, of that, yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what places you're going to, but okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't biker I don't, bars, huh? Yeah, I don't get, biker bar guy. Hey, I, look, I go to speakeasies. Okay, like I smell like bourbon when I come home. My wife's not worried about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to talk to you, Brinson. Uh, <laughs> my wife and my mother-in-law call me Brinson. Is that weird? Yeah, that is kind of odd. Yeah, isn't it, right? Especially uh, your mother-in-law. So my, Why is she calling you that? She's been calling me that since I met her in like 2001. My stepfather-in-law, uh, one time when my wife and I dated the first time, he's like, he said, he said, he's like, so, uh, Brinson, what's your first name? It's like, uh, or no, he's like, Brinson, what's your last name? And I was like, it's, uh, it's Brinson. He's like, your name's, <laughs> he's like, your name's Brinson Brinson? 
was like, no, Carrie. I was like, my name is Will, man. My last name is Brinson. Everyone it's just uh, William. Yeah. William Marcus <laughs> Brinson Third. That's right. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, do you think that the Bears – was that was it as big a moment as Bears fans think it was? Did they was that a changing of the guard, exercising the demons of Aaron Rodgers and and shutting him out and eliminating him from the playoffs as they clinched the division? And a, like, a, did they take over the? Are they the new kings of the North now? They are. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say the way this team's ascending right now, the way their defense is playing, I think they are. Now, the one thing that could work against them is after this season, regardless of the outcome of how things work, whether they win the Super Bowl or not, Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio is going to get interviewed for some head jobs. And so how do they withstand losing a defensive mind like that? Um, that's going to be the big question. And then, look, inevitably, you're going to have guys that move on, you know, different pieces of your team uh, transition, and then you've always got to be growing and getting better. So they'll have to fight that. But, I mean, look at the division. Like Detroit, you know, I don't think they're as far removed from being – in contention for the division as they look right now. I think if Stafford's healthy, they continue to build out around him more. Um, Matt Patricia's got him kind of going in the right direction, even though it does look kind of bleak right now. Uh, Minnesota's a team that's obviously still going to be in contention, and I think they will be better next year with Cousins and maybe a full year with Stefanski calling plays. The Packers are the most interesting one, because I think they're like a coach away from being able to come in there and light a fire under Aaron Rodgers, and with all the young pieces they brought in this year in the secondary in particular on defense, they could be really, really good. But, I mean, you'd have to feel confident the Bears being able to replicate what they're doing this year if they're able to keep a lot of what they have intact. All right. So if you, if I gave you the opportunity, you're, you're the owner, you get to be the owner. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a professional sports team. Brady Quinn is going to own either the Packers or the Bears, but you only get to own it for three years. Would you, and you get, you get the GM, the coach, every player, every contract, everything, the whole roster, all the picks. Are you taking the Packers or the Bears for the next three years? Well, dude, come on, I'm taking the Bears. I mean, it has oh. nothing to do with any of the things you just mentioned. For starters, Chicago over Green Bay uh, any day of the week, way better food. Uh, I'll be <laughs> at Gibson's, Tavern on Rush, all the nice spots. And then it's a, close and proximity in Notre Dame. Come on, man. That's, that's easy. I Actually, when we went to Notre Dame for the NC State game two years ago, we stayed in Chicago and took a party bus. Okay, those are terrible reasons. I, I mean, the whole point is you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, which? Oh, uh, oh, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's in the that's in the cards too. Like, like I actually think it's so. There's they're probably so close. They both have like equal chances, you know. Because you know, if you look at both rosters, both teams, I think you can make arguments each way. That's why I went to food. I think food ends up being the overweighing factor. If I'm gonna spend <laughs> three years there, I'd much rather be in Chicago. <laughs> All right, shots fired at Green Bay. I like it. Um, okay. Uh, oh, I have a question. This actually comes from a uh, a listener. I can't tell you his name, but he's an important listener. Um, he wants to know. Actually, it's my thought. Uh, Vance Joseph might get fired, might not get fired. I think he probably, he's out. He's, he's done, right? He's probably done. He's out. Yeah. yeah. What did he, you? He, the decision he made this past week. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. As a, because like, I mean, as a, as someone who watches football for, as a professional, professional football watcher, uh, and even as like an amateur, like anybody could have seen that that decision to kick that field goal was absolutely terrible. What is your gut, what is your reaction as a player on the field when your coach basically gives up on you? I, I wouldn't put it that way that he gave up. Okay. I, I just if, if I'm the quarterback in that situation, I'm, I'm thinking this is the dumb. This is a dumb decision. I mean, honestly, like it, it, like I don't mean to sound 
you know, overly critical, but no, it is decision. like there's nothing that could back up any of any of that to make sense. Any of the analytics to, that, that's going to make sense, right? I mean, think about just how that drive went, though. I mean, they had a technically a fourth and one that they ended up challenging, ended up getting overturned, and they got the first down. He was going to go for on that one, and at that point in time, there was like seven minutes, maybe less than that in the game, and I'm thinking, okay, um, if I was going to kick a field goal, I would have then. Because then I kick it, I still have like six minutes left, right? And I've got the opportunity uh, to get the ball back with more time. But once you deci- he decided to essentially, you know, go for it, and, but obviously the challenge the minute ended up kind of um, eliminating that, even being a factor altogether, I'm just thinking, all right, you're going for it the entire way. Like now you've committed to this yeah. because you're working so much time off the clock, it doesn't make sense you're not going to have a ton of time. And so for him to take another two minutes off the clock, and then decide to kick it and still be down one, it just it made no sense. And honestly, uh, I think it would have gotten a lot more flack had Greg Williams not made an even worse decision, also going for a fourth and one, up one, when you could have kicked a field goal and forced Denver to have to go down the field and get a touchdown to win it. Uh, th- that one didn't make any sense to I me. Mean, I think both, both head coaches, as good as Greg Williams has been, it kind of showed you, like, can you trust this guy to put him in that position where – He's going to have to make these sorts of decisions throughout the course of a season. And this Browns team that's so close to being on the cusp of maybe a playoff team or a contention in the AFC North now has bad decision-making the head coach. Like, that would concern me. Yeah, and like the Greg Williams thing, too, he even got – like they ran him out there to try and get him off sides. They got them off sides, and he called a timeout before it could happen, which is just – suboptimal for Greg Williams, to say the least. All right, back to the Rams, as I, we teased earlier. Um, it, 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 is Cooper Cup the reason the Rams are broken? I don't think he's the reason. He's one of the reasons. I think you look at their third down, how they've struggled. You look at the fact they're not getting as much production out of their wide receiver screens and some of the short intermediate passing, in particular in the middle. Um, yeah, that, that he kind of adds up to it. Like I think he's a missing link that we're not talking about a ton, but the offensive line hasn't played as well the past few weeks. And they've had some tough matchups, but that's been, to me, the key ingredients for success or really one of the key ingredients no one's talking about is Whitworth and John Sullivan helped with the emergence of Jared Goff becoming a superstar and Todd Gurley being the MVP conversation. As much as it's Sean McVay uh, joining the team, to me it was the improvement of the offensive line and how those guys have solidified that group. I've said this a number of times over the past year, uh, those guys deserve more credit, and when they don't play well, all of a sudden Jared Goff gets exposed. Their play-action pass isn't as effective. Um, their seven-man protections aren't holding up quite as well with only three, mans out, three men out in the route, and it's becoming an issue for them. So uh, their offensive line is going to have to play better. Um, Cooper Cup, he's not coming back to the best of my knowledge. So, no, he's out for the uh, year, yeah. Yeah, so so because of that, I don't know that they're they're going to be solving that problem anytime soon either. And uh, look, their, their defense gave up a bunch of points last week. I mean, you can say what you want about the offense. Their defense gave up a bunch of points to the Eagles, too. So they've got some things to fix. Marcus Peters is a, is a you know, talented player. He's not playing up to his ability. I think he's a little more concerned with what's going on with some of the fans if you saw him G-checking some people out there. G-checking. Um, I like it. That, that, was, yeah. that, was not, that was not a good look for him there. No, I, but, but he'll say this much, though. That's what you get if you're a fan, you want to talk trash, and then all of a sudden you get confronted by a player. Like, good luck. Yeah, like, yeah. if you invite that in your life, you deserve every repercussion that comes with it. And don't give me the, uh, these players are spoiled, they're privileged, they don't, you know, we can say whatever we want, uh, you know, we were the ones that paid them, put money in their pockets. No, you aren't. 
You don't pay a damn person, a damn player, okay? The TV contracts do, okay? Those checks are written by the owners of the teams. They're getting paid so much money from these TV contracts. They don't, they don't really need the ticket sales, all right? I mean, it, it's nice. The teams enjoy it. It's part of their revenue. But the, the TV money is so big now. Uh, those, those, that money coming from the ticket sales, that's not what pays the contracts for these players, all right? Just, also, just know that. also, if you're buying tickets, you're paying an owner. Like, right. like you're, you're, you're not, you, you, you're not, you're not, players aren't working for you. They're working for the owner who's clearing up a huge chunk of those ticket sales to put in his pocket along with the TV money that you mentioned. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and I mean, like, we really have, I mean, I, th- I know it's been going on for years. Fans yelling at, you know, the TV, fans yelling at players in the stands, but we gotta be more civil human beings. I mean, like, I mean, guys are out there, you know, putting their, you know, like safety and health on the line and, and people are, you know, people are screaming horrible things about him, wishing ill will on them. It's, it's not cool. No, it's not cool at all. And you know, it's like, again, it, I don't think people really have enough respect for these athletes, how they train. Um, I mean, how, I mean, again, what's the if, meanest, if you, what's the meanest thing you ever heard of somebody yell to you? Oh, you? I mean, we can't even stay on this. I mean, you'd have to bleep a bunch of stuff out. Um, I remember going to Oakland, uh, uh, playing the Raiders. I want to say, gosh, this was my rookie year. It might have been my rookie year. We went out there. Uh, I don't think I played, but I just, I, I'll never forget getting off the bu- bus uh, and hearing this young kid scream my name. And I kind of turned around thinking like, oh, this is like a young fan. You know, maybe I'll walk over and <laughs> find an autograph. And it's a little kid who proceeds to be yelling, F you, flipping me the finger. He couldn't have been more than seven years old. And he turns around and moons me. What? And and everyone in the, everyone are like Raider fans around him are going nuts. And I'm I'm sitting there like looking over, thinking, where are that kid's parents? Like who who allows that to happen? Like what what's this kid gonna look like in 20 years? How old are, how um, old are we talking to? You? Like 10? He's like seven. Like, seven? He was tiny. If he was 10, he was a really small 10 year old. But uh, I I just thought like I was like all right the the middle finger I I guess it's the Raiders I. He seems young to do it, but then it was like the mooning. I was like, the insult to injury. You know, I, mean, I, I didn't need that. You know, I don't need a little seven year old kid trying to moon me, too. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sure really what to take from it, but. God, man, you're worse than USC fans. What's your problem, Raiders guy? Um, that's a USC joke that didn't come off. Well, USC fans probably aren't that mean, are they? Like, like USC, the Trojan fans? Yeah. They're like at the beach, like being fratty or That's something. That's what I mean. Like, like they're like, they're like, hey, yeah, hey, Brady Quinn, get off our field, bro. Yeah, like, bro, you... <laughs> like you're killing the grass, man. It's bad for the environment, <laughs> you know. Like, whatever, bro. I found uh, that uh, I found that Notre Dame fans were very, uh, very friendly. Like Notre Dame was. I, I've only been there too once. Nice. We don't even have a home field advantage there. Yeah. It's well, like, like, hey, thanks for coming out. It's like Nebraska. <laughs> like, thanks for thanks for playing. Well, us. thanks for coming out. You Hope do you have enjoyed the, it. You do have that giant Jesus looking down at everybody. That's sort of intimidating. So that's well. That's that's just so that we can uh, we can force people to carry some Catholic guilt if they already don't have it coming to the game. So well, I mean, you know, Jesus, not just Catholic, but sure. Yeah, I mean, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt certainly applies. I don't. Know, we were sitting we were sitting underneath the video board for the game that I went to, and so we were looking across. Um, I should have gotten you to give me some dank, yeah. like sideline seats. Every, we look- every sip from your flask that you snuck into the stadium, you're looking across thinking Jesus is looking down on me right now. That is exactly right. And I, you know yeah. what the other nice thing about the Notre Dame Stadium is? They serve coffee. Really good coffee. Huh. 
<laughs> you spiked that coffee, didn't you, Will? Yes, we spiked the crap out of the coffee, Brady. Of course we did. Can I be? Can I be? Can I be? called Irish coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, we're that's trying. Much what Irish people drink on a daily basis. We were trying to honor the Irish. Okay, that's what we were yeah. trying to do. Uh, back to the Rams. They averaged through the first eleven games of the season thirty-five point six points per game. They've averaged nineteen point seven per game in their last three and two of those three on the road they dropped 30 on the the lions and the last two have been on sunday night football and i mean they did you know the, the bears are really good it was in chicago and there was a freezing cold night but then to, and i get that philly played really well the thing that, that golf that concerns me is the ball's just coming out of his hand weird so like at times on sunday night it was like flying out in in weird like it, all season long he's been whipping it downfield and it was coming out like sideways and stuff it was very bizarre yeah, I, I don't know if it's that so much as just him getting pressure and him feeling a little bit more rushed. Like, he doesn't seem like he's in rhythm as much when he's making a lot of those throws. Um, and, and I think that's just been a product of the protection or lack thereof. So okay. uh, a lot of times when you end up rushing throws, your mechanics are a little bit out of whack. The ball's not going to come out as pure. And I think you start to see that a little bit more. Um, and look, he's a guy who I think in his rookie year, I remember watching him in preseason and then seeing him in the regular season and thinking, man, he does not handle pressure well. He's not the type of guy that gets hit a bunch in a game and is able to come back and respond from that. And I was surprised because I remember watching him in college at Cal, and I want to say it was Arizona State. I mean, they beat the crap out of him in a game. And he kept throwing, he kept taking shots, and he ended up battling back and winning that game. Um, but he showed a lot of toughness. And then when he got in the, the preseason, I didn't see that same player. And then, and then later on in the rookie season, he seemed skittish. And it, it's almost like he's reverting a little bit back to that. And I think maybe Sean McVay has been able to, uh, as, as well as the offensive line, their protection has been able to cover some of that up um, over the past, you know, couple years now. And so everything might be colliding, whether it's like Cooper Cup leaving, bad offensive line play, golf getting a little skittish in the pocket. All that adds up uh, to to the to the Rams struggling. I still think they're probably going to get the number two seed, number one or number two seed, and get the bye. They're at Arizona this week. Arizona looks like they packed it in in unbelievable fashion. Um, uh, there's a report out of uh, Arizona from uh, Kent Summers. The headline, I mean, Summers has been tied in as as, as long as anybody with the with that organization. Steve Wilkes is likely to be fired by Cardinals, but what about Steve Kime? Sounds like uh, things can go south for Arizona. So, I mean, I would expect that even if – my point being, I think the Rams can get that uh, can get that number one, or number one or number two seed and will end up with a bye. I think the Chiefs will be fine, too. They've got a little bit of a tougher road. They have to play at Seattle this coming week um, and then host the Raiders. If they go – if they lose in Seattle and the Chargers went out, they would actually lose the West and lose the bye and end up being the four seed – how worried about you are you are how worried about the Chiefs are you having seen them lose to the the Chargers and having seen them play without Kareem Hunt and without Sammy Watkins and, and with people having more time to sort of look at Patrick Mahomes? I'm not worried. I uh, I think, you know, losing Kareem Hunt hurts, but there's nothing they can do about it. They're not getting him back. Um and so that that is what it is. And they're gonna have to have other guys step up. But I think they kinda have. We saw that versus the LA Chargers. Uh, look, they've got extended rest this week, um, so I, I think they'll be they'll be fine and recovering, and coming back from this. Uh, I, I, don't, I think it's going to be more of a blip than anything else. I, I just think their defense is, is really the thing that needs to is going to have to improve if they want to have a shot at getting to the Super Bowl. I think their offense is good enough to carry them into the playoffs and have a good seating. But you know, you, you just you can't expect Mahomes to continue to carry you every single game when you're going up against the best of the best. It's just too difficult to do. It's too much on him. And, you know, unless they get Watkins back and he starts playing a much, you know, bigger impact on this offense, along with Hill and Kelsey, 
it's, I just think it's going to be too much. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but that combined with the weather, especially in Kansas City, considering they're going to have some home field advantage if they continue on. Uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy and all that, and it's, it's going to be able to stymie some of what they'd like to do offensively. Yeah. Um, would you give – Would you give what percent chance do you give Phillip Rivers of winning the MVP? If they, if they get the number one seed, do you, would you flip from Mahomes to Rivers, or is Mahomes too far gone in your eyes? Well, I think Breeze is in that conversation too. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, if Breeze gets the number one seed on the other side, I think he probably wins it over Mahomes. If well, I guess, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I would say Rivers is, is third. If they get the number one seed, he's definitely got a shot. But the problem is, is it's not like he's going to have better stats than Mahomes. Uh, even though um, you know you look at him, and I mean, he's not going to have better stats. Look at him head to head what they split this year, and he's, yeah, he'd have the higher seed. He'd have that over him, but then you've got Breeze on the other side. He's going to have a higher uh, completion percentage. He's going to have a higher quarterback rating. Um, so that, that's the hard part. Is like he's not going to have really anything over either one of those guys. He's either going to be trailing back Patrick Mahomes in the ASC seeding for the playoffs, or he's going to be trailing potentially Drew Brees. And both those guys are going to have better stats. So I just think it's an uphill battle for him to win the MVP. But he's, he, you know, being in the conversation is is nice. Yeah, yeah, you get it's like getting a participation trophy. You were in the MVP conversation. I think he's got a better shot than you're giving him credit for, but a lot has to break right. The, the Chiefs have to lose one, and the Saints have to sort of limp in. I don't, I don't think the Saints will miss the bye. But if they did, if the Saints finished like twelve and four, and the Chargers finished thirteen and three, I don't know. I think you could, uh, I think you could have a little interesting conversation there. Okay, what about the Eagles? <laughs> what the hell? This is, is this well, happening again? I'm about to get you know how you do you remember in the preseason we were doing this podcast and yeah. I I said I think the Eagles could miss the playoffs. Am I crazy? And you and Pete Prisco and look, I understand the concept. I got dra- I got I got blasted for it before the season. It looked like it was a great call, and now it is just not going to be the right call, and I'm going to get dragged for it again. No, I look. I think you went out and you took a shot. Um, you could be right. Uh, I mean, still very well could be right. I think that I think that my are falling apart. Well, I think that my theory on it was right. Even if they make the playoffs, I was right about it, like them struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. To, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. You've made plenty of other bad calls. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's give you credit where credit's due in this thanks, one. Thanks, Brady. <laughs> um, but I mean, in all seriousness, they are back to the mantra of what got them a Super Bowl last year. They are truly an underdog, and I think there's something to be said about that because you know this, this team has played themselves into that. Last year was more due to injuries. Right, no one thought they could because we hadn't seen them do it before, and they overcame all of that. Now this year, it's like, well, you—I uh, mean, their playoffs have already started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Eagles literally already started their playoffs last week. They can't, and they can't afford to lose the rest of the way out. They're constantly in a sudden death scenario. So because of that, they now have to play their best football every single week, and they're doing it with their backup quarterback once again, who played, you know, pr- pr- pretty well last week versus uh, the Rams. Pretty well. I mean, look, he looks—he looks poised. He looks like he's done it before. Maybe it's because he has. And then the D-line, I thought, played better. I thought Fletcher Cox played great. Those guys stepped up. It helped improve their secondary. Maddox made a ridiculous interception that helped out, you know, change the game. And, and it, you know, it kind of helps when the L.A. Rams don't play their best game, too. Yeah. Uh, Foles hung in there, and, and, and it was really good. I was really impressed with him. And, it, look, could they make a run again like last year? I don't think they can. I feel like they sort of summoned everything up, and that defense played above its head, and the, the secondary was laying wood on the Rams receivers, and Jim Schwartz was just beautiful minding it and calling everything perfect and outworking Sean McVay. And what about Todd Gurley going out of bounds, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure to make of it. I just hope he's all right. Like, yeah, me too. it looked like he's been a little bit banged up. I, I'm more, I don't really care about that right now because the end result's the end result. I'm more concerned, like, 
him long term. Like if, if he's not going to be a part of this team in the playoffs or something, I'd be I'd be pretty pissed off. Um, I, I know it may you know they're trying to go for that number one spot in the NFC, but I, I would contemplate depending on how bad the injury is, just holding him out until he gets to the playoffs. Like he's too valuable to that team uh, to risk playing him regardless of the seating and where it's at, because I don't know that playing in LA gives you a huge home field advantage. Besides not having to travel. Um, you Dude, look at their fan base out a, there, it's like it, non-existent. It was a disadvantage on Sunday night. It sounded yeah. like an Eagles an Eagles game there. I mean, you'd almost rather play in Philly, so at least you can be the underdog or something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, by the way, the Rams yeah. are 13.5-point favorites at Arizona. That is a prime game to sit Todd Gurley. It will totally – uh, of course, Todd Gurley will screw everybody. Not that fantasy football matters, but everybody will be upset. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, huh. and. I don't, I'm not going to be the, on the back end. I'm not going to be the recipient of a tirade from you about how fantasy football doesn't matter compared to I didn't say that. I've never said that. No, I mean. Fantasy I'm, football pays the bills of CBS. So I have nothing bad to say about fantasy no, football. No, no, no. But if I was like, and of course, Todd Gurley screwing over the fantasy owners, you would, you would give, you would rightfully give me a, a, a an earful. Uh, the Eagles, I would punch you in the stomach if I was with you right now. Thank you. Um, and yeah. I would vomit everywhere because I'm sick. Um, I'm trying not to sniffle too much in this podcast. The, uh, the Eagles are minus one. So when the Eagles try to pretend they're underdogs that nobody believes in, that's a lie. They're favored in this game. Let's look at the playoff picture really quickly. Um, so the Chargers and Chiefs have clinched in the AFC. Who do you think that the Texans will be able to secure that by, or will New England, who has never been to a Super Bowl when they didn't at least have a buy, one of the top two seeds in the AFC, will New England find a way to get it? Um, I, I think their schedule sets up for them to find a way to get it. Um, and, and I think if you're looking at the Texans, it, it's not like they have the hardest schedule the rest of the way. I believe what they they play is it the Eagles. Eagles at home. Eagles at no, they're at Philadelphia. Excuse in me. In Philly, and then Jacksonville um, at home. So that'll be a tough one. And then versus Jacksonville, which divisional opponent. So <laughs> you know you, you always kind of give them a shot. Even Jacksonville's though. checked out, man. They're yeah, well, they, yeah, they're they're going to the Bahamas. They've checked out, but again, divisional opponents. So it's pride of line. I don't know. Um, I I think New England has an easier path to get there to get two more wins. Um. Uh, then, then Houston does. But look, Houston's a game ahead right now. So, yep. look. Bottom line is, here, here's what I'd say about the Patriots because I think they're worth having a conversation about. That's sort of where I was segueing into. But yeah. yeah, look, if if they do have to play in the wild card round, it's kind of ironic. The last time they had to do that was 2009, yep. and they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. And as yep. of right now, that's who they'd play as the sixth seed in the wild card round. So it's yep. kind of weird that that would work out. And that way. But, and that game featured. I, th- I always think I mentioned this in the podcast yesterday, but Wes Welker tore his ACL in Week 17 that year, and then Ray Rice had that huge run early on in that game, and I think that it would be similar in the sense that Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards would give this Patriots team a lot of trouble in a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think they present a challenge. Uh, the one thing I'd say right now, though, that is that Baltimore Ravens team very, very, very much one-dimensional. Yes. And, and even though Belichick would hate to see a running quarterback like that. Uh, unless he throws the ability or shows the ability to really stretch the field vertically, I'm not sure it would uh, be a be a favorable game for for Baltimore in that respect. Although their defense is good, but yeah. you'd be going to Foxborough. So that's a you, tough place to win. What do you? But my point is, yeah, this. Yeah. if if that is the path you have to go if you're in New England, it's not that bad. I mean, think about it. You got a rookie quarterback coming to Foxborough. We know the record there for Bill Belichick. Yeah. And then you'd be playing the Houston Texans. If you won that game in their place, yep. right? Because yep. the winner of the Steelers Chargers, as it sits right now, would have to play the Chiefs. So I, I think that's a much more favorable path than having to, you know, go the other route. Like I don't think anyone wants to play the Chargers right now, 
and I don't think anyone would have to want to have to play the Chiefs. So that's a, that's a great uh, point. That's a great not point. the worst thing. Um, what do you make of the Patriots doing very unpatriot like things lately? Um, Gronk looks like t- he looks toast. Brady looks like he's. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say that Tom Brady looks like he's done. I don't Everyone's think he's scared to say it right now. I, I, I don't know why. Say it, I mean, Brady. Let's just, let's say just it. Be honest. It look, it looks like he's heading towards the end of his career. I think that's fair to say. And this, I'm not going to say it's going to be his last year, but you know he's 41 years old, and I, I think um, you know would they like to have a first round buy? Of course, because it allows him the opportunity to have more rest, him to recover, Gronk to recover, and they have to play one less game. Um, but he's not moving, you know, as, as well as he once used to. I think that's stating the obvious. But I think the difference for me is that was the difference for him as far as him compared to every other quarterback is he moves like a boxer in the ring. Yeah. And he was so good at lining himself up to, to make that throw or make that knockout punch. And I just, I don't see him moving quite as well to turn to, to make those throws and make those plays. And those throws aren't as accurate as they once used to be. Gronk isn't separating. Um, Josh Gordon's been inconsistent, uh, inconsistent hands. It's like all of a sudden he hasn't been as good. Um, it's just, it's a bunch of things, but I mean, look, 14 penalties this past week. The week before, they end up giving up that play to, to uh, Kenyon Drake on the, on the Miami Miracle, yeah. where situational football is supposed to be your best thing, and they were bad on third down this past week. So it's just, it, it's surprising because all the things that we praise them for, where they don't beat themselves, they've kind of done the past couple weeks. It's nuts to watch. Um, on the NFC side, if you are Chicago, who, in what order would you want to play the potential wild card teams? Seattle, and they, well, ignore Dallas for now. Seattle, Minnesota, Philly, Washington, and Carolina. I'll actually, take Washington out too because they're the obvious first choice. Yeah, not Carolina. No offense to them. No, it's fine. We'll leave Carolina out too. Um, we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. They're, they've just finished playing. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> they're playing right now as we record this. Seattle, Minnesota, and Philly. Who would you how? Who would you want, who would you not want to see if you're the Bears? I mean Minnesota, um, Minnesota and Philly. Why can't I think at all right now? Minnesota and Philly. Who do you want if you're the if you're the? I don't I don't I don't want to play the Vikings. Look, that defense is is one of the best. It's traditionally been one of the best. Um, and, and if they get Dalvin Cook going, and that ends up being the recipe for success for the Vikings, uh, all of a sudden that becomes the more formidable opponent, in my opinion. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to play them. I think I'd rather test that young defense in Seattle and see if, you know, if we could stop the running game of the Seahawks, if Russell Wilson can beat us, um, and, and, or Dallas for that matter. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the other two teams in the conversation for those, those wild card spots, I would rather play, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles or, or probably the Seahawks if, if I had home field advantage. Cause I think, I think the Seahawks are a much better team in CenturyLink than they are on the road. Um, but the Vikings are a team that I just, I know, I know Cousins is struggling in prime time. I still think he can get the job done. I still think that defense gives them a chance. Yeah, I no, I, I I think that getting Dalvin Cook going set up the play action so well for them against Miami, and that's what Mike Zimmer always he's just what he wanted get Dalvin yeah. Cook going. And look, it it helps Stefanski that he has a healthy Dalvin Cook and can run him thirty times. But um, Minnesota did look very good against Miami. Well, the other thing is uh, what, what I think he did that. When you look at like why John D. Filippo maybe got fired, right? It was all about running the football more, and and sometimes as as an offensive coordinator, you say, well, they're loading up the box, right? They've got eight, seven man boxes. There's an extra guy in the box. You know, we can't we can't block that guy. And some some defensive mind head coaches, but you know what? 
our running back gets paid. That guy gets paid. Force him to force him to make a tackle. Like force that unblocked defender to make a tackle. And there's a number of occasions this past week when you're watching Dalvin Cook when he would get to the unblocked defender, he make the guy miss. Yep. And, and there was a number of number of times he did that. And that's where I think maybe it was the difference too. And instead of that play being checked to a pass play or going to a pass play. They stuck with the run, and they, and they allowed Dalvin Cook to earn his money. Well, good for Mike Zimmer. He got what he wanted. Happy birthday, Mike Zimmer. Uh, all right, anything else before we take a quick break and get to uh, Saints-Panthers? The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Well, that was fun while it lasted for the Carolina Panthers. Um, And also my dad's fantasy team, Brady. I know you care about this deeply. He was out of the country. He went to Cuba. And told me to manage his fantasy team, and I managed to lose in the playoffs for him. So that's exciting. He left his fantasy team in your hands? Yeah, I thought it was stupid, too. Um, we lost by uh, three points. Those final Christian McCaffrey uh, checkdowns on, on the final drive for the Panthers. Couldn't feed it to DJ Moore. He had a bad game, and he had Saquon Barkley on his team, so Saquon kind of let him down. Also, awkwardly, I played uh, Eli McGuire over Marlon Mack, and that probably cost him the loss, too. So. Wow, bold strategy. Yeah, didn't let's see, does it, how, let's see how it works out for you, Cotton. Uh, not not very well. Um, all right. Anyway, the Panthers actually lost that game. A disappointing season-ending loss. The Panthers fall to six and eight. The Saints uh, move to twelve and two. Twelve to nine. The final, not the shootout that Vegas predicted. They had the the over/under set at like fifty-one points. A very low-scoring game uh, between those two divisional rivals. Well, I mean. My, my my biggest takeaway is Cam Newton's hurt, Brady. He doesn't look healthy. That, that's for sure. Watching him throw the football, it seems like he's you know really you know doing his best, put as much effort into the throw. And typically, for a guy who's what six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds, he usually can throw the ball with relative ease. So, uh, one thing I was texting you about. So, uh, it's funny. There's a lot of times when you're a quarterback, you use other sports. To, to kind of give you examples of how your body position should be when you throw. So we all play golf, and you could imagine that you've got your head down, right? You're addressing your yep. tee shot, and if you started moving your head back and forth or if you move it a lot while you're bringing your club back to then bring your club forward, it's going to be harder to hit the ball, right? Your body's out of alignment, and then on top of that, you know, you're, you're aiming for the ball, and your aim is going to be off because your head's moving. You know, it's hard enough to hit a golf ball square, let alone while your head's moving. It's almost like making a moving target. Well, in football, when you throw as a quarterback, you are trying to throw at a moving target. So that's kind of difficult. And on top of that, if you're trying to throw to a certain spot or trying to throw at a certain spot on someone, if you're moving your head as you're getting ready to bring your arm through and release, it's changing uh, your, your aiming point. And Cam Newton, if you'll watch him, if you break down the film, especially do it slowly, he almost jerks his head back and, and up. And he's doing that because he's trying to get a little more umph, a little more something on the football. And I would imagine, I don't know if, it's he got, if he got hit in the shoulder and he feels like he's got a dead arm or he doesn't have as much strength in it because it's painful. Uh, I'm, I'm only speculating at this point. But uh, from, from getting hit in my shoulder, from having a posterior labrum tear before and having to get shot up after the season for it, 
uh, I can tell you, when you don't have, feel like you have as much strength in your arm, you try to compensate. And sometimes you end up sacrificing your mechanics for that. Maybe that's one of the things we're seeing from Cam Newton right now. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised at all that Carolina at six and eight. Um, I mean, they can. I believe they are. They eliminated right now. I think they they might be. I'm, I'm clearly on top of my game today. Um, the Vikings at seven, six, and one. The best the Panthers can do is eight, eight and eight. Of or the Panthers, yeah, yeah. yeah the Panthers are yeah. yeah. Best the Panthers can do is 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 eight and eight. Eight and eight. They're basically eliminated. They're not mathematically eliminated, but they would need. Phil- Actually, no, I think they are because Philadelphia. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to do the math here. Uh, they have to. They would have to win both of the last games. One in New Orleans. One against Atlanta. And they would need everything to break right. And, and Philadelphia and Washington are playing each other. So you know, it's it's a pretty bad situation for the Panthers do you think this results in Ron Rivera being fired I hope not I think he's a good coach and I think they've got a it's not a rebuilding year but they've got a they've got to make a transition and they're gonna have to get in some younger pieces on their defensive front I think they've really tried to in the past draft those interior D linemen where now they're lacking a little bit of that edge pressure and so they got to get younger there I think they're good at their linebacker spot, uh, the way they're set up, at least for the long term. The secondary's got some great young pieces. Uh, was it Dante Johnson? Is that his last name? Dante Jackson, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of LSU. No, his, yeah, his you know, two-point interception return was phenomenal. You kind of see the speed there. You see his big playmaking ability. Um, he's something really you can hang your hat on, I think, for the future. And, and some of their you know, offensive pieces, right? McCaffrey's had a great year. Curtis Samuel's interesting how he mixes in. Uh, Funches. You DJ know, Moore, can, yeah, the DJ. I mean, DJ Moore's got better as the season's gone on. Ian, um, Ian Thomas is an interesting tight end too. Yeah, no, I, I actually liked him too as a lot as a draft pick. I thought he'd eventually replace Greg Olson. I didn't think it'd work out the way it has this year, which is unfortunate for Greg. Uh, but Ian's really come along too. So they've got all the pieces. I, I just think you know, at some point, you got to look for who's the guy behind Cam. I don't know that they have that guy on the roster right now. That's another thought in the offseason as far as bringing someone in. Um, you got to start thinking about that. But I, I hope he's not. I like Ron Rivera. I think he's done a tremendous job in Carolina. And that's one of those where you fire a guy like that, he's immediately being looked at by another you know, head coach needy team that's going to be bringing him in right away and signing him, uh, at least in my opinion. So I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. You know, him and Mike McCarthy fall in that boat. Uh, but you know, sometimes organizations feel the need to make change because things get stale, and you know how that is. Sometimes you, you hate to make change for change's sake, but sometimes – you do need to refresh some things in there and uh, bring in some of that Febreze, you know? <laughs> a little is – that, is that a segue for the Saints and, and Drew Brees? I'll take it. Um, do you think that the uh, – the Saints? are you worried about the Saints? We talked about earlier the Chiefs and the Rams. The Saints have not looked great the last three weeks offensively. I mean, Alvin Kamara looked like he wanted to break out. Panthers defense played a hell of a game, I thought. They were flying all over the place. Yeah. Where has that been all season long? Play like that and you're in the playoffs right now. Uh, but But the Saints – they, they haven't looked good offensively, and is that is that a byproduct of who they played later in the year? Are you are you worried about the Saints at all? Not at all. Uh, look, this 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 isn't horseshoes and hand grenades. Okay, I know the score is close. People talk about it not being a lot of offensive football this time of year. A win's a win. It's a divisional opponent. You you hit the nail on the head. You're playing on the road against Carolina, who's a, a good defensive team, especially the way they played tonight. So you do everything you can to come away with a win. I think that the Saints were able to do that. And honestly, look, the score looks closer than it really could have been. Yeah. I think they, you know, this could have been a six-point margin. It could have been worse than that. 
it, it could have been, you know, 10 points, really, if, if not for the fumble out of the back of the end zone, which, in my opinion, is a terrible rule. Um, I, I know people feel like they want to penalize the offense for uh, not maintaining possession of the ball through the pylon or through the end zone, but uh, I, I don't know why you have to penalize the offense. Like, you're rewarding the defense in doing that. So I, I just think you should give back possession to the offense where the offensive player lost control of the football. And I, I don't know why you reward the defense with the football and yardage for that. So it doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, uh, the, the score really, to me, wasn't as indicative of, you know, how close this game was or, or could have been based on that one particular play and how it impacted the game. And think about it. I mean, it's not like the Carolina Panthers offense did much. And that two-point conversion made it look even even closer. Like, yeah. That's what got them to nine. So, I mean, really, this this score could have been a little different with the exception of uh, how a couple plays went. Yeah, Carolina also had two turnovers, a fumble and a uh, interception. An interception in the red zone that was just brutal. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and a fumble on the on the same side of the field. And when it looked like they could have taken control of that game. And, it, you know, it's just one of those bad year for Carolina, very snake bit. And uh, coming to a close now, I would anticipate that the Saints, who will probably be playing all their starters in week 17 lay the wood on the Panthers uh in in New Orleans because uh, and again I wouldn't be surprised at all if Cam Newton uh you know was shut down for the last two games of the season they're not dead yet they can still try and make the playoffs but you got to look at the health of your quarterback a lot lot to unpack there in Carolina and uh we'll be here to unpack it all throughout the f- uh, following couple of weeks as the season wraps up uh Brady did you know that there's only one Monday night football game left what? Can we get one more shot at this thing, man? You know, we might not, it's a terrible game, I think. We might not even talk about the game. We might just record a podcast in the afternoon. Yeah, that actually might be worthwhile. Who's playing on that one? Um, I think it's the, uh, the Raiders in Alabama are playing. <laughs> the Raiders and Broncos, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the Raiders. Yeah, we're not, we're not watching. Yeah. That. Uh, Two teams not playing for a whole lot. If those yeah. teams are eliminated, and they are, then we'll be doing the podcast earlier, but we'll still be coming yeah. to, coming at you daily. Uh, and of course, we're back tomorrow with Jason Lockett for it. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks as always for hanging out with me on Monday, Brady. Awesome time as always. Hope you feel better, Will. Thanks, man. I'm glad. I hope it don't sound like I feel that bad. You feel terrible. You sound terrible. <laughs> okay. You got me the call. Thank you.